Well, this afternoon, uh, we may have to make a little diversion uh, from uh, the series that uh, Andy has started. But uh, I'm hoping that uh, the one that I'll share to you uh, this afternoon will be helpful. Now, one of the things that really helped me in my Christian life is to study the Bible characters and see them, how God has been preparing them, and how God has been using them in the lives of his people and in the lives of other people that they come to know him. Yes, the Bible, the Bible is full of stories of, about men and women whose lives were transformed by the power of God and his word, and most of all, their lives were mightily used for God's glory during the time. Now we think of Moses, a man of selfless dedication. We think of David, a man of passion and destiny, or Esther, a woman of strength and dignity. Another we can think of is Joseph, a man of integrity and forgiveness, and more of them as we turn the pages of the scriptures. And by one one, we can take some important parts of their characters that you and I can emulate. And by God's grace, we can see how the Lord Jesus Christ has been seen in their lives and how God has been transforming the people around them because God used them very mightily. No Martin Luther was used by the Almighty God in bringing back the truth through the Bible as he was searching for meaning in his desire to serve the holy and righteous God. Together with others, during the Reformation, they brought revival and reformation in the Christian world. And I think many of us here can also say something about some people who are close to us that have been instrumental in helping us in our growth. For one thing, it can be our parents, who from the time that you and I are growing up and stay at home, they have not withheld anything about the Lord and about his saving work at the cross of Calvary. At the same time, perhaps even in our own fellowship, do we have been helping each other to grow together. And with your character change, and with the level of maturity that God has used you, and all of us every day, you know, we can always share God and his word and how it impacted your life and my life. If there's anything that really helped me, one example is uh, when we started uh, a ministry in Cebu City, a student ministry, and uh, my mentor, before we went there, where I was still in Manila at medical school, he asked me to pray about it, and then he said to me, Joel, you will be staying with me for the next few years. 
And he told me, one of the reasons why I want you to stay with us is because I want you to observe my life. And that was something. I want you to observe my life, how I deal with my marriage, and how I deal with my children. And for two years, I stayed with him, and at least once a week, he and I meet together and discuss. And there were times that Bob uh, tells me about some of the differences that uh, he and Connie had. But you know what? His life was so transparent. And I see the Lord Jesus Christ in his life and his wife's life. And most of all, as we were spending together in the ministry, I see how the Lord has been working through him. And his life was something that plays a big role in who I am right now. And there were others also that I meet and know and how they help me. And we can find in the Word of God that it's about the same thing. He used men and women for his own glory. And this afternoon, we'll, att we'll attempt to spend time on Israel. No, Israel is uh, one of the minor prophets. In many, many ways, we don't always talk about Israel. Sometimes we think that he is not as significant as Moses, or Samson, or David. But you know what? The Lord has been using Israel during the time that they were exiled and they were going back to their homeland. He may not be a powerful instrument for God's glory if you try to compare him with others. But God, in his own time, was a significant influence in bringing back the chosen people of God closer to the God who never leave them nor break his promise to them. And the question will be is, who is Israel? No one way that we can find her is really the book of Israel. The book of Israel has ten chapters, but the first six verses were, talk were talking basically about the previous return during that time of Cyrus. Very interesting enough. Now we know that the Israelites uh, had been exiled. First, with the invasion of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and then the Persians or the major Persians. But one thing that uh, I observed as I read and even as I also look at some other notes, 100 or sometimes about two years, 200 years before the exile, Isaiah prophesied that a king named Cyrus, by name, will help the remnants to go back to Jerusalem, and it happened. And Azira start, Israel started with Cyrus and the other Persian kings. And of course, he talked about the first return led by Zerubbabel. They were to build Jerusalem. But then Israel was called 
by God. But who is he? According to Ephra 7, 1 to 5, he was a descendant of Aaron. And you know who Aaron was? He was the brother of Moses. So we can find out that Israel belongs to a family of priests. But he was described to be a priest, a, a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. Being a scribe, he copies and compiles and translates perhaps the scriptures in Aramaic, which was the language during the exile. The scriptures during his time, particularly during the year of exile, with the availability of the scripture was scarce and few. And many times, God's people who were born in their exile did not know much about their own language, and more so about the law of God. But there's one thing I like about Israel. You know, Israel was just an ordinary man like you and I. But King Artaxerxes chose him to lead the second return to Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes considered Israel as a priest and scribe, a man learned in the matters of the commandments of the Lord and his statutes for Israel, according to verse 7 in chapter 7. And as read through uh, the uh, book of Israel, I discovered that Israel has an impeccable character, a man of integrity. The king entrusted Israel to bring some remnants back to Jerusalem to carry the gold and silver as an offering to God of Israel coming from the king himself and the other officials. And he was also to bring the vessels for the temple use. Israel was given a free hand to use the treasure according to the will of God. The temple accessories or the vessels were also entrusted to him to prepare for a temple worship. And everything, according to the scriptures, everything that he needed, he can always ask from the king, and the king will be giving it to him. Yeah, Israel was a man of integrity, a man whose life the king saw a man whose life, known by the king as a man who knew the scriptures. And in fact, as a heathen king, he understood and he also entrusted Israel that Israel will be doing the job according to the law of his God. Another thing, the king has entrusted him or given him the power to appoint magistrates and judges who knows the law of God and of the king. But also he was given the opportunity to teach others who do not know the law. So there's Israel, the scribe, the priest, given a big, big responsibility It's as if he was a role, really, uh, the, uh, 
the remnants that live in Jerusalem. Because even the other rulers that were under the control of uh, King Azarus were also asked to give Israel whatever he needs for the purpose of uniting God's people and at the same time what Israel called as to beautify the temple. So it was Israel's responsibility first to bring everything that's needed to start the temple worship or services. In fact, with him were different types of people that were willing to come to Jerusalem. There were the just ordinary people, and there were some priests. And he was supposed to bring the Levites also, with others like the singers, that they will be able to start worshiping in the temple. But there's one thing that kept on repeating in the book about who Israel was. In Israel 7, 6, 7, 9, 7, 28, 8, 18, and 8, 31, it's showing that the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. That's interesting, isn't it? The hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. So we can find him from the start, also until the end. Israel was guided by God. And I, I love the, the use of the word, the hand of his Lord, his God was on him. You know, I, first that comes to my mind is a little child, you know, being held by the parents and help on their way. And that, what happened? The hand of God was on Israel. So in every decision that Israel made, the hand of God was on him. But this one thing that makes Israel so different, perhaps, so many people during his time, and even perhaps in some other times in the scriptures, and I like what Israel 17 says, and I want us to go there, Israel 17. But I want uh, I want. Uh, We'll start in verse 9. I hope you won't mind that I'll be looking using my iPhone. Okay, verse 9. On the, on the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of God was on him. And verse 10 says, For Israel has set his heart, first, to study the law of the Lord, second, 
to do it. In other words, to apply it. And then thirdly, he was to teach the statutes and the rules of God in Israel. And that really stood out in my study on his life. He decided consciously that he wants to prioritize in knowing God's word, knowing the scriptures, understanding the scriptures, And then, next, he was going to apply it in his own life. And then he can teach it to other people. And I love that process. Study, apply it in your own life, and then be able to teach it to other people. And this is one thing that I learned from others that I have told you before. I saw them doing the same thing. They studied the scriptures with me and then they showed to me how they have applied it in their own lives and challenged me to do the same thing. And you know what? That made them very effective ensuring the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God was manifested or shown in their own lives. Now, often times, some church leaders uh, will try to change uh, the, the process, the study, and then the teach. And oftentimes, the application can be optional. And that's not right. Study the scriptures, apply it in your own life, then you can effectively teach it to other people. And that's what Israel did. Let me just read to you what I uh, wrote here. It is the priority of his life to study and understand the word of God. He could have chosen to follow the lead of the Chaldeans to study the stars in the heavenless because he grew there. Yes, he could be an astrologer. But he decided to make it his business to inquire in the word of God. Search the scripture so the knowledge of God in his mind and will which can only be found in the scriptures. And he made a conscious effort of doing according to the scriptures as he see it. And it became his role. He put it in his heart that whatever he does is guided and directed according to the word of God. It is in his heart to be an example or a living testimony to live according to God's word. Then he set himself to teach the Israelites the statutes and judgment of the scriptures. What he knew he was willing to communicate for the good of others 
For the administration of the Spirit is given to every man to profit from it. What will happen in our own life if we can do that? Study the scriptures. Learn from it. Understand it. And then apply it in your own life. And that's one of the things that really helped me in my Christian life. Because I saw it being shown to me by the people who helped me in my Christian life, by my mentors. And I was encouraged to do the same. Now that reminds me of Paul. Remember Paul? Now initially the first Corinthians said, imitate me. And even in chapter 13 also, 1 Corinthians says that, imitate me. Then if you go to Philippians chapter 3 or, and chapter 4, he said the same thing. Follow me. Do my example. And we know that Paul was very effective in his ministry, he had people under him who were always the same, doing the same thing. And that's the same principle that we can find from Genesis until the end. Another thing that we can also find in the book of Israel, in verse uh, 22 of chapter 8, it shows to us that he trusted God also for safety instead of asking the king for escort and protection. You know what happened? Uh, the king gave him the rights to lead, and there were people who followed him. And then it says that Israel didn't ask for any protection from the king. You know, the, the travel from Babylon to, uh, to Jerusalem was estimated to be about 520 miles. And if you walk eight miles in a day, it takes several weeks. And there are some dangers along the way. But you know what? The Word of God says that he came the promise. He claimed the promise of God in the Scriptures accordingly that the hand of God is for good on all who seek him. And the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. And claiming that promise, God listened to his prayer. In Israel 8.31 says that the hand of God was on them and God delivered them from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes along the way. Now this is a man whose faith, whose trust, is not on anyone but on God. The king could have supplied him soldiers to escort them. But he said that uh, he was ashamed to ask the king because he knew that God promised that he will be with them. One thing also that I like uh, about Israel is that 
He entrusted other people. We had a big responsibility, but he's able to entrust other people. In fact, he, he counted the numbers of people that will be going with him. There were the regular people, there were the priest, there were the singers, but there's something that was left behind. They were not there. And there were the Levites. Very interestingly, the Levites were not first in the list of people who were supposedly voluntarily going with him. So Joshua chose men of integrity. That's according to Abinishra. Chose men of integrity to go to, quote unquote, what the commander said, the college of the Levites and asked the leader and told the leader about the need of the Levites to be able to, quote-unquote, beautify the temple and to start the temple worship. And God gave him the right person to go with him. And so he left with everyone. But at the same time, again, Joshua prayed or he fasted even before leaving. So all this time that uh, you read the book of Israel, they see Joshua, the book of Israel, now we can find that Israel was dependent on God from the start to finish. And he entrusted the money, the silver, and the gold, and the vessels to the Levites. And they were going to put everything in place in the temple. One commentator said that, you know what? Israel could have pocketed some of the silver or the gold. <laughs> but you know what? Israel never touched the offering or anything that was entrusted to him by the king. Then he asked the Levites, and have all these things accounted for. There was the honesty of Israel. The treasures never really You know, it diversed him from the very purpose God called him to do. In chapter 9, it's another story. Because Israel found out that the people, the priests, even the Levites, some Levites, and some of the rulers were intermarrying with the idolatrous neighbors. And in, chapter, in verse 3 of chapter 9, that as soon as Israel heard the intermarriage, he tore his garment and cloak and pulled his hair from his head and burned and sat appalled. And then it continued in this verse that all who 
trembled at the word of God, gathered around him, then fell on his knee, and Ishtar fell on his knees, and spread out his hand to the Lord, and prayed before his God. And I want us to go to that part, because I like Ishtar's prayer, that in chapter 9, Verse 6. And this is what he said, if you want mine, and follow me. And I love that prayer. He said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities, we, our kings, and our priests have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame, as it is today. But now, for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God to leave us, a remnant, and to give us a secure hold within his holy place, that our God may brighten our eyes and grant us lit, a little reviving in our slavery. For we are slaves, yet our God has not forsaken us in our slavery, but has extended to us his steadfast love before the kings of Persia to grant us some reviving to set up the house of our God, to repair its ruins, and to give us protection in Judah and Jerusalem. And he continued, And now, O our God, what shall we see after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, The land that you are entering to take possession of it is a land impure, with the impurity of the peoples of the lands, with the abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness, Therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons. Neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land, and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such a remnant as this. Verse 14, Shall we break your commandments again under Maori with the people who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consume us so there would be no remnants or any to escape? O Lord our God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our God, for none can stand before you because of this. It was a sad fact that the people of Israel forgot what happened in previous kings. They were exiled, why? Because of their disobedience. And from one of the worst kings was Manasseh. 
He not only raised or blessed the worship of Baal that was destroyed by Hezekiah, his dad, and put all those altars of Baal. He even was sacrificing his own children to Baal. And because of their disobedience, they were exiled. And this the same thing now that he was returning to Jerusalem, the same thing happened all over again. And we can find here the very heart of Israel. He was there to help. To restart the temple worship. But here the, some of the people, some of the remnants were disobedient. But by God's grace, the people responded and humbled themselves before God. And the people who intermarried confessed and repented of their sins and put away their wives and children. So there was a revival, knowing that they have disobeyed God and Israel prayed hard for them. And they confessed their sins and repented from it. And Nehemiah, the one who laid the third uh, return, who was almost a contemporary of Israel, uh, he came about 12 years after Israel went back to Jerusalem. And so Israel and Nehemiah were working together. And in fact, in Nehemiah verse 8, at that time, everything was in place already. And the word of God says that Israel, with the help from others, read the scriptures before the crowd of remnants from morning till noon for seven days. And there were others who helped Israel, not only in reading, but also helping Israel to explain and you know, translate the scriptures to the people because they know more Aramaic than Hebrews. And the word of God says, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portion and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And Israel did what he was, he was supposed to do, not just bring the offerings and the vessels for temple use, but he was able to share the word of God. And people of God had a good start. And of course, Nehemiah came into the picture. Guys, Israel was not an extraordinary man. No, he's like you and me. But he resolved in his heart to study and understand the scriptures and apply the biblical truth in his own life before he taught others. 
His life was transparent. People saw that the Lord's hand was upon him. He's a man who realizes that the success of his endeavor can only be realized by his total dependence on God. We can see it in the pages of the book that he fasted and prayed before he started anything. Now, meet their prayer and desires to know God and understand the scriptures and make it real and true in our lives. And many others can learn from you and me because our God is real. He is transforming us daily into men and women who are conformed according to the image of his own son. I like Israel. It's different from Moses. It's different from Daniel. It's different from David. But God used him in the lives of his people. I hope that you and I will learn from him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are glad that your word is real, that your word is full of truths that we can always apply in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the men and women, the patriarchs and others, and even men like Paul and Peter and the other apostles and your disciples. You have been using them, not only during the time, but even now. And Lord, we need to continue to grow in our relationship with you. We need that our lives will be continued to be changed. Because one day, when you come, we will be glorified with you and see you who you are. And Lord, we thank you for this privilege. Please we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.